We plan these sermons out months in advance. We know what we're going to be preaching on in several months. And uh, uh, this particular day, this Sunday, uh, was what we call a one-off, which just means that there's just this empty slot that didn't fit anywhere else. And um, I use these slots to just see what does the Lord have for that time, I, you know, because you can plan months in advance and then, then there's the, these slots that open up. And, and so we listen to the Lord to find out what, what, what is... What, what, what could he, uh, he be trying to say? Um, and uh, by his divine providence, uh, it turns out that uh, this is a very timely week. First of all, um, uh, it's right after Rihanna preached. And so I had to get back up here because you all sent me so many emails about how awesome she was. I thought, I better get the church back. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, you did awesome. Yeah. So she, she killed it, and so I had to just come back and make sure I, there wasn't a letter of resignation on my desk, right? So, um, but uh, many of you know our story and um, the journey we've had with our son, and uh, we don't typically tell the story, and I use it very sparingly in sermons because we all have a story, and we'd all love to come up here and share uh, our struggle. But what I wanted to do this morning was, uh, as real as possible... Uh, share um, the history of, of kind of where our family is. We uh, left, I left the business world 10 years ago uh, out of import-export to become a pastor, which is the natural progression from import-export. Your next thing is like, if you're going to, you know, it's like, what else do you do? You become a pastor. So it happens all the time. And so... Um, so we did that, and we sold our house in Lakewood, and we moved to Garden Grove, uh, this rental in Garden Grove, and... Uh, and it was going great. The church uh, in the first two years we had doubled in size and everything was going. And I'm like, this is like the easiest thing in the world. Like this is so much fun. And it, and it was. it was. It was awesome. And we began to notice in our son um, just some kind of weird things. Um, zone, zoning out a little bit, you know. And, and, and again, I zone out a little bit. So you don't think of anything in the beginning. Um, but they started going longer and more frequent and, and started happening at different weird times that you wouldn't expect someone to zone out. Um, and so we began to get concerned. And so we took him to the neurologist. And um, I remember uh, in this, uh, I was in the waiting room and they have those little, the little chairs for the kids. And that's the chair. I, w- I was sitting in one of those little chairs uh, when Dr. Gurbani came and said, your son has epilepsy. And it was literally like, like he just came and just punched me in the gut. Like, I, first of all, I didn't even know. I mean, I knew what, I, I kind of knew, you know, what it was. But I didn't know what that meant, like, for me and for my family. Like, what does that even mean? What, what are you saying? Is this, you know, and, and um, I remember I'm sitting in this little chair. I just felt so helpless and small, um, probably because I was in that little chair. But uh, he said to me, this is going to take a very long time. And what I first resented uh, from that statement, I've now grown to appreciate that he was honest with us because it has taken a long time. And uh, we began the process of trying to control his seizures, which be- uh, became more frequent and became more violent as time went on. And so we went through this journey. And it was very, very difficult. Um, I-, I can't even... Uh, tell you some of the times we've had uh, during a seizure where it's just, you're, you're so helpless and you're just, you're just trying to keep it together. And, uh, and so in, um, 
we tried various medications and those didn't work and 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 then um and and we would have advice, you know, people give advice uh, of, of what to do next, and have you tried this, and have you tried that, which, uh, which you know, some things were super helpful, other, other things weren't. Um, I remember one time, uh, somebody gave me an article that I could get a dog that would bark before a seizure. So, these seizures happen usually in the morning, early morning, like between two and six in the morning. So, here's what they're saying. So, you're asleep, a dog jumps on your bed, barks in your face, and then your son has a seizure. That's like bad dog. I, I don't want that, right? But, but that's what happens. And, and, and listen, and I, I make fun of it, but, but, but for those of you who are going through difficulty, you know what it feels like to be in it, right? And to have people give you advice. Here's what you do with your marriage. Here's what you do with your kids. Here's what you can do for that sickness. Here's what you can do for your finances. And you're in it, you're in it, and you're just like, man, I, I don't know. And so in uh, two, February of 2012, we went on a um, science camp, I, and, I, and I had to go with him because uh, they wouldn't allow him to sleep with the other boys because if he had a seizure, they wouldn't know what to do. And so we had this, our own little cabin, and sure enough, he has a seizure up there. And, and so it's just, it's, just, it's just draining. It's just tiring. You, know, you don't sleep very well because you're always expecting something to happen in the middle of the night. Well, all of a sudden, after February 2012, all of a sudden he goes a month without having a seizure. And then he goes two months without having a seizure. And he goes three months without having a seizure. And we began to get this great sense of hope that God had healed our son. It was four months, five months, six months. We start having conversations like, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, I don't want to verbalize it because I don't want to jinx it. Isn't that great? Your pastor, uh, right? Su- superstitious. There you go. Yeah. What'd your pastor say? He won't walk under a ladder. Okay. Like, so, uh, and so I, I'm like, I like start going, you, you think, you think he might be healed? And so we, we, like our faith begins to go and like eight months, nine months. And so I finally send out an email to some pastor, uh, I'm on this group of pastors that we email each other and stuff. And, I, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm like, I think, I think, I think God healed our son from epilepsy. And then Christmas day, he had a seizure. And I just remember Lisa and I in our bed, just weeping. Here's the question I had. When God, when what are you doing? Why are you doing this? There's been times he's had seizures where I've woken up in the middle of the night and I've literally said, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And so, you know, Lisa and I, we kind of keep this to ourselves. And, and, and so we have a group of friends that we, we have, you know, kind of just the inner circle. And so we share all this with them and all these things. But it's just, it's just that feeling of helplessness and I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. Now, that's my story, okay? But you've got a story like that. Maybe it's your marriage right now. And you're like, when, God? When is that dude going to change? Or when is she going to snap out of it? Or, or maybe you've got adult children who live at home. And you're like, when, God? When? <laughs> when will they leave? You know? Uh, 
right? I mean, one of the reasons we don't talk about it that much is because I could open this microphone up and you could stand, we could all get in a line and you could tell me your when God story. So he has a seizure and, and, and I, we're just rocked to the core and it's very, all the hope that's been built up goes to the, goes to the ground. If you followed anyone dealing with cancer, you know what that feels like. There's, oh, we'll try this clinical trial. We'll try that. We'll try that. And there's every time you go to the doctor, you feel like, just let, let those numbers be down. Let those numbers be down. And then and you think, this is going to be it. This, this treatment's going to be it. And it's, and it's not. So um, August of 2013, we're on vacation. And, um, and we have this, ha- this like cabin thing that's by this river. And um, we're in this river, it's a King's River, it's about like this high, and so you're like in there, and then there was this like little place where you could kind of like shoot, shoot down the rap, well, I call them rapids, it, it, it was really dangerous, um, no, um, and so we were on boogie boards, and you just kind of like shoot, shoot, shoot down, but it was, it was real deep, you know, but it wasn't like going crazy, and uh, I was on the side taking pictures, and, and uh, he begins to have a seizure in the water. And he just shoots down that little gap, and he's gone. I, and Lisa goes in after him. So I got my son and my wife underwater. She's trying to get him. Uh, uh, you know, she's a lifeguard and, and a superhero. So she, uh, uh, she, you know, got him, and I jumped in, and we're pulling him to the side and everything. And I just, I'm wet. My daughters are crying. We're just sitting there. And for me, that, that was the lowest point for me. And I'm just like, man, when, God? I remember one time at night we had a seizure, and I said, why? I said to God, why are you doing this? I asked him that. See, how we deal with difficulty is kind of the same no matter what you're going through, whether it's a son with epilepsy or whatever your financial situation is. We, uh, this is what, some of the things I did and what I've seen people do. We try to convince God. God, if you'd heal him, if you'd heal him, this would be a, imagine the story. Like I'm trying to explain to God why it's in his best interest that my son is healed. I uh, give compelling arguments, right? And so I, I try to convince God. Oh, oh, and God, and then this, and then, and, 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 you know, I, I convince him. If I could just convince him that this shouldn't be happening, and maybe he'll, maybe he'll move. We comply. I remember one time uh, after a seizure, I had remembered that night a sin that I had committed the day before, and it came to my mind, he, it's because of my sin. Like, and I, I, I remember, I remember I'll, I'll do, God, I'll do, what, I'll do whatever. I'll comply. You might have done this too. If this happens, I'll, I'll never, <laughs> you know, I'll never do this again. Or I'll, I'll, I'll give my life to you. Or if that pregnancy comes back negative, that test, I'll be, I'm going to be a nun, okay, forever. Like, like, you know, you just, you, you, you say, I'll comply. I'll comply. I, you got me. I, I got it. You, you know, these difficulties seem like God's got you in an arm lock and you're like, okay, okay, I give up. If I say I give up, will it be, will you heal him? We try to control. 
We do this by medicating or escaping. Sometimes we do it by trying to control the situation of taking charge, of going to the doctors. You know, this is ridiculous. We got to get control of this. How come you guys aren't? And so you try to control, and sometimes that's, and sometimes you try to control God. Your word says this. You promise this. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, prayer. I'm faith. I'm anointed with oil. I'm going to, I'm doing it. And we did all that. We, we've done, I've done all these things. Now, the one that might get you to actually really want me to write a letter of uh, resignation is this one. Contempt. Get angry. Get angry at God. I gave up my job, man, to go into ministry. I, I've given up this stuff, and this is two years into ministry, and this is how it's going to go down? And you've, you've felt this too, probably. Why did you take that person away from us, the person we love so much? Like, if you're so great, why, why, why is this happening? And again, these questions might make you uncomfortable, okay? But they're the questions that were going through my mind. I didn't preach on them. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was struggling. I was struggling. When, when, God? When are you going to work? And I'm telling you, I know your story too, a lot of you. And I, I can understand why you'd have all these feelings. You know, we've lost people in this very church in the last couple years where you just scratch your head and you go, what in the world? Well, so in the midst of all this, what do you do? What do you do when you can't convince God to heal somebody? What do you do when you can't, you can't comply enough to change his mind? What do you do in the midst of the difficult situation? What do you do when you've prayed for the job, prayed for the job, and nothing's coming? What do you do when you're in your singleness now and going, I just want to get married. I just want to get married. God, why can't you create somebody normal that I could marry? Like, what's your problem? You know, and, and like, what do you do in the midst of that? What do you do in the midst of now you're divorced and now you're living with that reality or you've lost the job? Well, I am thankful um, that the word of God is bold enough and strong enough and trusts me enough with different verses that will tell me things that maybe I don't even want to hear, but that turn out to be truth and become incredible um, uh, security blankets for me in my darkest times. When I don't have the answer to when, God, when are you going to heal? When, I don't even know if this is happening. One of, the ha one of the things I'm glad we have this one-off is that we have brain surgery scheduled for Wednesday. And so, um, so to be able to address you guys prior to us heading into that, our next step, um, just seemed really like a great coincidence that uh, this one sermon would be at this time. The Apostle Paul um, did kind of a similar uh, thing in that he changed careers midstream. His first career was killing Christians. Uh, and then uh, he, he kind of sw swapped that out for um, making Christians. So it was kind of a big deal. Not as big as import-export to being a pastor, but it was okay. Um, and so Paul was like, Paul's written most of the New Testament, okay? And he's planted a lot of churches. And the thing about Paul that's cool, uh, he, would, he, he could heal. Like, like he would pray for people and they'd be healed. Uh, one, uh, and, and so he, it's like this guy, this guy had a connection with God, okay? 
If anyone was going to be able to convince God, it was Paul. If anyone was complicit enough, uh, uh, you know, to make sure that God was going to do what he wanted him to do, it was Paul. Paul complied with with everything. If anyone had reason to have contempt and didn't, it would be Paul, right? And so um, Paul's kind of like a great example. Well, Paul ends up in the situation where he needs God to move. Here's what happens. He, he's having these visions about going up into the third and fourth heaven or whatever. Like just, he's just these visions of just, he's experiencing, you know, his, his relationship with God in just these extraordinary ways. And, and um, so he's like zapped with something. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. That word torment means to, to, to rap with a fist. <laughs> You've probably felt that where you have a situation in your life that's, that's very uh, draining and then you, you're just going through life and then you just re, you're reminded of it again, you know? Like you're just going through, you're having a great dinner with somebody or whatever, and then you, re, you just remind, you, you're reminded that you have all this debt. And it's just like, ah. Oh. For those of you who are going to school, it's like you're going through your weekend, you remember, oh, paper's due Monday. You know, that's kind of the, the, the punch, the, the wrapping with the fist. That all of a sudden things are going along and it's just a punch in the gut to remind you that there's something in your life that really sucks. This is this messenger of Satan. You, maybe you've lost somebody dear to you. And so you, you, and you forgot. For you, for you had this time of reprieve where you were going through, and it was just a great day. And then you remember, oh, they're gone. Bam. This is what was happening with Paul. He has this thorn in the flesh. Now, theologians do what theologians do. They try to figure out what this thorn in the flesh was. And so some of them think that he had uh, eyesight problems because in one, one epistle he says, look with what large letters I'm writing, whatever. Um, some actually believe that it was epilepsy that he had, that, that he, would, he would have a seizure while he was talking. Everyone was very embarrassing. And for that particular, uh, set, that particular time, if you had an ailment or whatever, that was God cursing you. That, that, that was God disciplining you. So if I came in with any type of a withered hand or whatever, whatever his thorn in the flesh was, that would be a, an indictment upon me. And here I am saying, listen to me, I'm following God. This is what God has. And you're looking and going, no, no, there's no way. Because God, if, if God really were on your side, this wouldn't have happened. This thorn in the flesh. Now, Theologians can go back and forth and you can guess, but here's what I praise God about. I praise God that we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was because as humans, once we found out what it was, we'd come up with a formula and go, this is how you get rid of your thorn in the flesh. This is it. It's what you do. We don't know what it was. We don't know if it was depression. We We don't know. I praise God. Because we'd be tempted to go, well, is mine as bad as Paul's or, or is mine worse than Paul's or whatever. Now, here's what your heavenly father wants you to understand. What you're going through that's really important, that's really difficult, is really important and really difficult. There's no, just because my story's my story doesn't make your thing any less hard. The temptation would be to hear someone else's story and go, well, I don't have it that bad, so I guess everything's fine. No, you, what you're going through is difficult. 
And so Paul says, I I had this thorn in the flesh. It was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me. It's just this constant punching, this constant reminder that this is, that you've got this thing. And so Paul does what I did and what you would do, what anyone would do. He says, three times I pleaded to the Lord, take it away from me. Just fix it. Now, I've done this. I've pleaded with the Lord. Heal him. We've done everything that scripture says you should do. We've anointed him with oil. We've taken him to the elders to pray. I took him to a, 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 a doctrinally wacky place because I thought, well, at least we'll just go there and like, if, if God's going to move in this weird way, then let, at least let him move in my son. And we've done everything. I've had a I've had hundred pastors praying for him. Now, you don't have to understand. Pastors are really holy. I mean, they are spiritually amazing. And so to have a pastor pray for you, it's like God's like, wait, hold, hold the presses. And so he really wanted, I had a hundred praying for my son. That just puts me in some other universe. Now, right? Well, I've had that. We've laid hands on him. We've done everything. Pleading, pleading. And you've probably done the same thing. On your knees for your marriage. God, please. On your knees for your job or, or, or school. You just, God, give me a friend at school. Give, or on your knees for a wife or a husband. You know, God, I don't care what, just, just two legs, two arms, you know, whatever, you know, just, just anything, just, I just don't want to be alone anymore, and you're pleading, you know, and you just pick, pick whatever, you're pleading, you know, your family of origin would just miraculously change, and you could just be in this family, you know, you're pleading for that, I've done that, Paul did that, right, no, not about the family, God, what's wrong with you people, uh, oh, I love, I love my in-laws. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so you got this guy, Paul, pleading. Here's what God says. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. The answer is no, Paul. The answer is no. I'm not going to fix it. Now, at this point, Paul rates God with Yelp stars, one half star. (laughs) Like, I pray, you know, do not pray to this God does not answer prayers. But God did answer his prayer. And God answered his prayer with something different than results. God answered his prayer with presence. With his presence. He says, my grace is sufficient You can get through this. You can deal with this difficulty. Here's the thing that I've noticed in my own life. I experience God in a much different different way in difficulty than I do with comfort. And I've met God in the deepest, darkest, most vulnerable spots that I could be in, in a way I could not have had everything just been working fine. Now, if you're a thinker, right, and maybe you, you, don't, you don't come to church or, uh, typically or you're trying to figure out this whole God thing, your next thing was, would probably be, well, what kind of God would make it difficult because he wants to have a 
relationship with you that's different? Why wouldn't he just figure out a way to do that anyway without the difficulty? I have no idea. I don't know. I just know that as I go through difficulty and as we've gone through this seven-year journey that hopefully, uh, prayerfully, will end in two days, we just don't know. I've just met God in some really sweet ways. That he, when I felt at my weakest, it wasn't because he was absent. It wasn't because he was angry with me. He was there. As a matter of fact, he says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. You're going to experience me in a different way, in the most powerful way when you're the weakest. That's hard. That messes with our brain a little bit. Because if you're like me, I don't want it to be hard. I want it to be easy. I want to leave here, get in an Audi A8, brand new, 2015. I want to drive to my house. I won the lottery. Woo! I just, you know what I mean? I just, I want that too. But God is using this somehow to strengthen, to become a better pastor, to become a better husband, to become a better father. God, his power is made perfect in these weak times. I don't know why. And I wish he wouldn't do that. I wish he'd just make me powerful. So Paul gets this concept. And so just like everything else, Paul, he starts taking it and running with it. And it's like, dude, slow down. But watch what Paul says. Because he really got this. He says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I was so excited about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. This word here, rest, um, means to set up camp. Like to put a tent up. It's, it's like, man, if I can get in touch with my weaknesses, if I understand how to, how to connect with God in my difficulty, Christ's power is right there, readily available for me. And Paul says, I'm not going to miss that. I'm not going to miss this opportunity to grow closer to God because I want comfort. I want to tap into it. And so then he goes on again, like I said, Paul has a tendency to go like, well, if that's true, then that's true. And while it is, it's annoying that he writes it in the Bible because then you have to believe it and live it. And that's hard. And so he says this, this is why for Christ's sake, not not the terminology we typically use with that phrase, uh, I delight in my weaknesses. Just let that soak in a little bit. Because we, we have our weaknesses. You, you're in the marriage. You're in the finances. You're in it. I'm in it now I, with our son. We're in it. We've experienced it. We know what it's like. It's horrible. And yet, he says, I delight in them. I, these, this is an opportunity to experience Christ's power in a way that I wouldn't normally be able to experience it. That while it's hard, and while I've pled with God, please get it away from me, I've kind of gotten to this point where it's like, oh boy, I wonder what he's up to now. That's such a hard place to get to, isn't it? I mean, if we're honest, don't you just want it to be fixed? I do. Let me ask you this other theological question. You can think about this during the week, and if you come up with an answer, please call me and let me know. Could God... 
give you something bad and still be loving? Could God have you go through something horrible and still love you? Could God give you a thorn in the flesh that when you plead to have it removed, he says no. See, Paul was in this spot that I've, I dip in and out of. Like, I've experienced God's power and strength and grace. And I've also been really weak and vulnerable and angry. But there's something that happens. And so Paul gets this wacky thing of like, when you get laid off, oh, rejoice in that. This is going to be fantastic. And you and I are like, oh, I can't believe it. I got laid off. But when I called Lisa in that first phone call when Jesse had epilepsy, I guarantee you my first reaction wasn't, honey, I got great news. God's going to do this great thing in our lives. Jesse has epilepsy. She's like, fantastic. I'll, I'll make French toast this, tomorrow morning. And we'll, I'll celebrate. It was just like, ah, oh, but Paul somehow got here. And watch what he says. I delight in weaknesses, in insults. Like, like, you get insulted, and Paul's like, yes. <laughs> hey, Paul, that was a horrible sermon. Nailed it, okay? <laughs> in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. That's incredible that you could actually get there. I think you can. I think you can. I think Paul's right. And he goes on, and this is what he says. This is the culmination of what he says. He says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. There was a, a gentleman in my life uh, years ago who just did not like me, which, oh well. I mean, isn't that impossible? Okay. Uh, he just didn't like me. And so I'd try to get him to like me, and I'd, I'd try, because that's really healthy. Um, and I, I, I'd try to like make sure, like, was I doing something or whatever? And the dude just did not like me. Okay, and so I would pray to God, God, you know, you know, if he got hit by a car, I'd be fine. I don't know. Get him out of here. It was remove him, get him out, fix him, change him, change him. Let him see. I try to convince God, God, you know, I'm right in this. Just let him, let him see me for the wonderful person I am. Why, 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 why is this going on? I pray. I pray. This is my prayer. Essentially fix this. This is wrong and fix this. Now, looking back now, God, I believe this with 100% of my heart, God placed that gentleman in my life. God revealed more things about me through how I dealt with that situation. And he was, that guy was never the issue. God placed him in my life. And he said, you have some things you have to work on with you. Forget him. Now, I can say that now because I don't see the person very much, right? But what if I could do this now with the epilepsy? What if I could do that in the hospital? What if I could, what if I could connect with God in a way where I go, man, God, I don't know if you've given me this thorn in the flesh, if you've allowed it to happen. I don't, I don't but, but, but I, I trust you and I don't want to miss anything. 
I don't want to waste any of this opportunity. What if you went home today and that thing that's been bugging you, you went home and you said, Lord, I want it gone. You know I want it gone, but I'm going to view this as coming from you. Now again, theologically, you might, that might be difficult for you. And you, you, might, you might think, man, well, why, why would he make me go through something hard? I, again, I don't, I don't know. But what if, what if we were able to turn it around and say, my marriage, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to meet God in this way. I'm going to, I'm, it's not getting any better, but I'm just going to do it. My finances or my job or my singleness or my third divorce or whatever, I'm just, I'm just going to, okay, I, this is, these are my circumstances. I'm going to meet God in them. You know who did this really well was Jesus, okay? Um, now, uh, it's kind of weird because Jesus was fully God and fully man, and so, um, but, but his humanness was human. Now, he felt everything you and I would feel. He went through everything you and I would go through. He was tempted in every way that you and I uh, uh, have been tempted. And so Jesus is a really good example for us to follow. He's our rabbi. He's our teacher. And if I go, well, how did Jesus handle this kind of stuff? And, and here's was Jesus' difficulty, okay? So like mine might be my son. Yours might be your marriage, whatever. Here's, here's the difficulty. Um, you're going to have to die, that, that, was, that was what Jesus kind of walked around with. You're going to have to die for something you didn't do. That's, that's coming. And so Jesus was somehow able to own this and to get it. And he began to try to get his disciples in on this too. And so he would say, hey, guys, let me just tell you what's coming, okay? I, 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 just, I, just, I just know this. I'm going to have to die and I'm going to leave you. And you're going to be on your own, you know, but I'm going to have to die. And Peter is like, no, no, that's not right. It's not right that you should die. And so he goes up to Jesus and basically says, dude, stop talking like that. You're not going to die. Don't, don't do that. And here's Jesus' response. I, I think from his response, we can learn something about ourselves and we could learn something about our heavenly father. Jesus turned to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, which again, I've mentioned this before. If Jesus calls you Satan, uh, it's probably a you problem. Okay. I just, I just, I'm just letting you know that right now. It's, you're the problem. Okay. So that's, uh, that's just your theological uh, lesson for today. So he says, get, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. And, and that kind of makes sense. Like, like you're missing something. There's something happening in this difficulty that's going to have to happen that, that you're missing. And if you try to stop it, you're going to miss something way beyond what you even can fathom. He says, you're a stumbling block to me. And watch what he, he, he gives a why. Like you're a stumbling block because he says this. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And I, I, I think Jesus is on to something there as I enter into my own difficulties. That oftentimes I just want it fixed. I want it removed. I just want to get back to just comfort. 
But there's a godly concern that he wants to do in the midst of this. And again, that's hard for some of us. Because that means that God is allowing us to do something difficult to get to a deeper thing that we wish he would just do for us anyway. But somehow, for some reason, he's allowing us to go through this. And so how do we tap into God's concerns for that? Well, it came time for his death. And here's how he handled it. Uh, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. It was late. Um, he wants to go pray. And so he, he, he kind of has the disciples there and he just goes off by himself. And you could just imagine the weight of the sense of I'm going to die tonight or tomorrow. I'm going to die. This is it. I'm, I'm being led like a lamb to the slaughter. So you can imagine how he's feeling. And so this is what he says. He goes, going a little farther, he fell on his face on the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Like, it, like I know he even knew the bigger plan. He even told Peter, I'm going to die. Don't, don't, you know, don't say I'm not. I am. And yet even Jesus was like, is there a way we can not do this? I really don't want to do this. Is there a way to not do this? You know, it's interesting. Jesus did this three times said the same thing. Heavenly Father, can, can you make it stop? Can we figure out another plan? What's plan B? Let's, let's take a look at it and we'll see if we can come up with something together. You know, He says, these words that are just so incredible, yet not as I will, but as you will. I just, I, I want this. I, I want this to happen. I, 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 or I don't want this to happen, or I just want it fixed. I just want you to fix it. But you know better than I do, and so not as I will, but as you will. As some of us, you've had times like that where you kind of nailed it, right? Where you feel victorious, but this thing you're going through now is, is, is harder than that. Here's my conclusion. Um, none of this is mind-blowing, but it helped me to write it down, and hopefully it helps you. I have a heavenly Father. I, I have a God that I serve, that He is in control. He is the creator of the universe. He is my creator. I have a heavenly Father, and, 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 and I use that terminology on purpose. I didn't say there is a God. We have a heavenly father. And anyone who's been a father or a parent or an uncle or a teacher or someplace, you know that oftentimes the people you are trying to raise up when you're giving rules or you're, you're creating situations, they don't understand what you're trying to do. You tell your kid, no, you can only have, uh, you can't have the donut. And it's just like, I, you know, they just can't understand why they can't have the donut. And you as an, as an adult, as a father or an uncle or a teacher, or whatever, go, no, you, I trust me. Just, you can't have it. I have a heavenly father that does the same thing, that knows me. He knows me better than I know me. Isn't that amazing? Your heavenly father knows you better than you know you. <laughs> and here's the, th this is the crux of everything I'm talking about. 
He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. See, if I know he loves me, then I know that I'm being allowed to go through something because he loves me. If I know he loves me, when I can't understand why in the world he wouldn't do what I want him to do, I can rest in the fact that he loves me and he knows me and he's my heavenly father. But unfortunately, my other conclusion is this. He's allowing me to go through something hard. I got a heavenly father. He knows me better than I know me. He loves me more than I can even fathom. And for some reason, I don't know why, he's allowing me to go through something hard. I, I want, and I think we all want, to be the type of people that can handle that well. Because in our weakness, we know that he's going to, his strength will be revealed. As we uh, take a little time to reflect on that, um, you know, again, like I said, I, you know, was allowed to tell my story on the stage, and uh, that's a privilege I understand. And if I, like I said, if I open this mic up, you would all have your story to tell about difficulty. Um, and so we're going to take some time as Adjua comes back up, and we're going to, we're going to do a number of things. One is uh, we, we really would love for you to fill out your connection card. Every family does that every week. Um, and we take all that information and we put it into a database. And then we know when someone isn't here and we can call them up and go, hey, we've missed you. And so when you fill out that card, it's like, it's like a golden ticket. It helps us so much to know that you were here. The other thing we do is this. We, we, we listen to our Heavenly Father Maybe for you, just these next few minutes is a time to plead with him to take whatever it is away. He, didn't never, he never blamed Paul for that. He never said, don't you ever ask about that. Maybe it's a time for you to admit your weakness because he expects you to be weak. And so when you say, look, God, I, I, I'm, I'm stuck here. I don't, I don't like this. And maybe he speaks to you at that point. Maybe for you, it's just a matter of connecting with God for the very first time. Maybe you, you have a, you've had a hard time with God, you know. Maybe you're back in church for the first time in a long time, and this is your time to just go, you know what, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm back. And, and you want to make that commitment this morning. 